Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. I want to share with y'all tonight about the life of Joseph. Uh, Joseph was the one. He was called the dreamer, right? Do all y'all know about the story of Joseph in the Bible? He was called the dreamer. And Joseph, the process to his destiny, from his dream to his destiny, how many of you know it wasn't an easy one? You know the story. And I'm going to kind of go through a lot of that story tonight. But God's timing is always perfect. Always perfect. We live in a chronological time ourselves. But God's Kairos time, the Kairos time of God is always right on time. And Kairos means this. Kairos time is the right, critical, and opportune moment for action. God's not going to put you in a place when you are your character. Your character has to catch up with the calling. God has a calling for all of us. And when that calling is on your life, God needs your character to match up with that calling. Because he doesn't want you to get to that place of your calling and be destroyed. And he's got to build the character in us. So there's going to be challenges. There's going to be defeats before there's victories. The greater the challenge, the greater the battle, the greater the anointing. If you can remember that, when you're seeking God, you're going through a trial. Remember, the greater the battle, the greater the anointing. Say, this is only a test. How many of you remember? Let me just show it real quick, and then y'all will remember what it is. Real quick, if they got it. If not, I was going to. How many of you remember this? Long time ago, right? There's a lot of young people in here going, what is that? (laughs) You can't hear it, but it says, this is the emergency broadcast system. This is a test. This is, here we go. Is it playing? And it says, this is only a test. When we were little, how many of you saw this when you were little on your TV screen? All the time. It was such a distraction, right? And then it would have that. You can't hear the sound tonight. But if they could play it, it would sound like this. Beep. Even worse than that. Like, it was so irritating, right? But wouldn't that be awesome in the spirit if we had that happen to us <laughs> right before we knew we were going to go through something? And in our spiritual ears, we would hear that sound like God say, this is a test. This is only a test. Beep. If we, and that would just like wake us up and make us aware and ready that, hey, what you're about to go through, it's not because God desires it to destroy you, but it's because he wants to build character inside of you. And when God says it's time to accelerate, when God says it's time to promote, there's nothing that's going to stop it. Like Esther, for such a time as that, she was called for such a time as that. There's preparation in the process, but you can't bypass the process, but you can grow from the preparation, and that's God's plan. He wants you to grow in the process. He he wants it to prepare you for your future. He wants what you're going through to build the character in you so you can reach your full potential potential in him. And um, the life of Joseph, if we look at the life of Joseph, because I'm going to hit on 10 points tonight, so now I'm realizing i got to really go through this fast because I'm going way too slow. But if we look at the life of Joseph, God gave Joseph a dream, right? Do you all remember the story? He was in the field. I mean, I'm sorry. He, he, he approaches his brothers. He had had a dream. And already his brothers were already very, very envious and hateful towards him because he was his, his dad's favored son. And his dad even went so far, Jacob, Israel, his name changes Israel, even went so far as to uh, make a coat of many colors for him. And, and so we see Joseph having this dream and sharing it with his brothers. He didn't just share it with his brothers, but he bragged about it to his brothers. He got this dream. He got this promise from the Lord, but he was braggadocious about it. So he was dealing with one thing. You can see it right there. He was dealing with pride. And because of his pride, it put him in the pit. So let me just read, because I need to read a scripture. But I'm going to start with that part of the story in Genesis 37, uh, verse 1 through 8 and 11. Then I'm going to skip down to 11. But it was that dream, this dream that is what catapulted 
uh, Joseph into his destiny. It wasn't until he went through some things that he was promoted to his destiny. Genesis 37 says this. It says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was, a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old, so he was only 17 years old at this time. It says, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. So he ran back to his father and was tattling on his daddy. I mean, tattling to his daddy on his brothers. So it says, now Israel, which is Jacob, his father, loved Joseph more than all of his children. So we see he's favored because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. That was the coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him, to Joseph. Now, Joseph had a dream, and this is kind of where it all really started. And he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. They already hated him. But when he shared the dream with them, it says they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your brothers, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down, down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? They're asking him, What are you trying to say, Joseph? What is your dream trying to tell us that we're going to bow down to you one day? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And then he had another dream, and it talks about the other dream. And then after that, we skip down to verse 11. It says, and his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And so his brothers hear him bragging about this dream. They already hate him. They hate him more after they hear this. But so Joseph, the first test that Joseph had to go through was the pride test. And that's a test that every one of us will have to go through sometime in our lives. How many of you have ever dealt with pride? How many of you have ever dealt? I mean, if you can be really be honest, I know every one of us should have our hands raised in here at least one time in our life that we have dealt with that spirit of pride. See, Joseph wasn't ready to be promoted. His pride had to first be tested. And because of his pride, he ended up in the pit. So if we look at Joseph's life, it looks like he didn't pass that first test, you know. And I wish someone was there to tell Joseph, hey, Joseph, I mean, he was 17 years old, you know. Joseph, don't brag. Don't, don't brag about the dream. Just be faithful. Be faithful to God. And, and that's why his brothers hated him, because of this pride. And all pride is rooted in insecurity. And if, if pride is in the heart, then there's insecurity inside the soul. And before God can promote you to your promise, you first have to lose pride because pride in any way will destroy your soul. How many of you have met someone before and you just really looked up to them? And then when you met them, or maybe it was a celebrity, maybe you happened to meet, and then you meet them and they're arrogant or they're proud. And what a turnoff that is. It's like, why did I ever look up to you? You know, it's just the turnoff. But God that's part of building character inside of us. When you go through a test and you recognize that maybe, hey, I'm dealing with that spirit of pride, and God's just trying to to remove that out of you so that he can build that character inside you so he can prepare you for what's next in your life. And so in the life of, uh, of Joseph at this time, we see if you read further down in the scripture, and I'm probably not going to read it. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this story. But we see that um, his brother's, because of that, that they end up kind of uh, conspiring against Joseph. And, and they see, they say, hey, let's just, let's do away with him. He's, he's our father's favorite. And he's just, he's just such a problem. And let's kill him. Well, then one of the brothers spoke up and says, no, 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 we can't, we can't kill him. But they decided to throw him in a pit. And the pit had no water. I mean, the pit was a bad place. Can you imagine your brothers, all your older brothers that you look up to? And probably look, he looked up to them since he was little. I mean, they were all his older brothers. He was the younger one. And can you imagine them coming and grabbing you and, and, and throwing you in a pit and just leaving you for dead? And they even said, hey, let's, let's pretend like a, a wild animal killed him and we'll let our father 
believe that, you know. Well, in the meantime, they see all these people coming through, a caravan of people, and they decide, hey, let's, let's not allow him to die there in the pit, but let's pull him out of the pit. And they sold him into slavery. And this caravan of people ended up in Egypt. And so we see him at this time in his pit, and maybe there's a time in your life where you've been, let's say, a spiritual pit. Maybe this, there, there's things going on in your life where you feel like you're in a hole and you cannot get out of it. And sometimes you might feel like God can, that God can't even hear your prayers. Maybe you feel like everything that you pray is just falling to the ground. And maybe you're in a pit yourself. But maybe, just maybe, in that moment is that time where you are going to seek God. You have a choice. See, God's given us a will. And God allows us. Thank God he allows us to have a will to make our own decisions. But what you choose to do in that pit is going to make all the difference. I believe in the pit is where uh, Joseph actually passed the pride test. Because I believe he could have sat in that pit and he could have said, I don't deserve this. My brother, they just don't know. They, you know, he could have felt vengeance and revenge on his brothers. And he could have uh, allowed all of that hatred and bitterness to fester and just grow in his heart. But instead, I believe that when he was in the pit in his life, that he cried out to God. I believe that in that moment, the pit changed him. And I believe that when we're in those moments in our life, when we're at our lowest of lows, is when God wants us to get to our lowest of lows. I'm talking about on our knees and seek him and look up. When we're in the pit, he wants us to look up because that's the time when God can reach down and pull us out of the pit. But our relationship with God, you know, you hardly ever see anyone that is doing so great in life come to God and uh, because everything's going great, right? Most of the time we all come to God when things are going bad, because we need a savior. And so it's in that pit moment where God can reach down and pull you out. And I believe that's where he passed the test of pride. I believe at that moment, because we never see him deal with pride in any of the story again. We don't see him no matter where he goes. Even when he gets in a place of uh, position and power of power, he does not, he's already cut off that spirit of pride. So the first test he had to pass was the pride test. And then he passed the pit test. And, and he understand that God, he understood that God, I believe, and we need to as well, uh, that God holds our future. He needs to understand that, that God uh, owns our tomorrow. He knew that he might be in the pit today, but there's always a better side. There's always grass, uh, greener grass on the other side. There's always going to be sunshine come up the next day. You know, when we're in our pit in life, you feel so hopeless, right? And you feel like, you know, that that things will never get better. But let me tell you, because I have been there before, it will get better. Let me encourage you tonight that if you are in a place where you feel like you're in a pit, there is a better, there are better days ahead for your life. Don't give up when you're in the pit. Don't give in when you're in the pit. God's going to bring you through it, and there is going to be a sunshine coming. There's a dawning of a new day. And you've got to remember this, until God opens the next door, if you're in the pit, praise him in the hallway, or pray, that's a saying, praise him in the hallway until God opens the next door. But I'm going to say praise him in the pit. And that's hard to do. That's hard to be in a place where you're in that kind of mindset, and it's hard to praise him. But there is breakthrough in praise. If you can learn to praise God in the pit, you will get your breakthrough. God doesn't want us to simply endure our struggles. He wants us to grow from them. We've got to learn to do that self-evaluation like I believe Joseph did and ask God, what, God, do you want me to learn from this? No matter what it is, we've got to trust. No matter how tragic of an event has taken place in your life, you've got to, and with the littlest of faith that you have, you've got to trust God with that. Because if the word of God says, if we have hope in this world alone, we are of all men most miserable. Why did God put that in scripture? I believe God put that in scripture because he knew that man, that others will let us down. He knew that the world will let us down. He knew that life would let us down. But we know... And he knows that there's only one that we can trust in. And our hope has to be in Jesus. 
That's why he put that in the word. We can't trust in this world alone. He always makes a way when it seems like there's no way. He puts a river in your desert. How many of you are in the desert right now? He will put a river in the desert for you if you seek him. If you're in the valley, he says that he will put a lily in the valley with you. You're coming out of the pit, and God's going to help you with that. But that was the second test that Joseph had. And um, the third test is going to be the palace test. And we see this in the life of Joseph. We see him go from, he, he, he passed the pride test. He passed the pit test. And we're all going to have to go through that. There's a palace test that he had to go through. And I'm going to read it real quick from Genesis 39. It says this so you can get the story. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. So he had been uh, taken out of the pit, right? And he had been <clears throat> taken to Egypt. So this is the rest of the story. So when he got to Egypt, uh, Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. And listen to this. It says he was a successful man. How was that? He was in slavery. And it says he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. Everything Joseph did, everything he put his heart and his mind to, it prospered. The Lord prospered him. So Joseph found favor because of this in, his, in the sight of Potiphar and, and served him. And then Potiphar made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And Potiphar took note of this. Potiphar recognized there's something special about this guy. God's hand is on this guy. And God will do that in our lives. And, and then it says that, um, and the blessing of the Lord was all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and in appearance. And I want you to remember that last phrase because that's going to be his next test. But the favor of God, we see, was all around Joseph's life. Everything that he put his heart and mind to was blessed, and it prospered, and people recognized that. Potiphar recognized that. That's why he placed him in that place of authority in the palace. But when you get to that place like that, let's say it is a spiritual place of the palace, you've got to become a good steward of that. You see, his, the Potiphar, Potiphar had trusted in him, Right? He trusted him. He saw God's hand on him. And it feels good when God uh, proves that he's with us and it's when we get to that place. And it seems like Joseph went from the pit to the palace really fast. But remember that Joseph, although he's in the palace, he's still a slave. He just has to, happens to be a slave over everything that Potiphar owns. But nothing is his own. None of it is his. Nothing belonged to him. He was only a steward watching over Potiphar's stuff. So we've got to realize that when God puts us in that kind of place and the favor of God is around us, how, we, how do we steward the favor of God matters? How we steward it. How will we be responsible for that favor? And how don't take it for granted. And then the next test was what the last part of that was, and that was a test that Every one of us are going to have to go through in life, especially in the day and age that we live in. And this is the purity test. And most of us know this story, but it says that, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it. It says that Potiphar's wife had longing eyes. That means she had been watching him. She had longing eyes. Remember, he was a handsome man, and she was lusting after Joseph. And her husband was gone almost all of the time. And so she would approach Joseph, and we see her tempting him over and over again and begging him. to. She would say, lie with me, Joseph. And, and he would refuse. And, and this is what Joseph told her. He said, look, my master does not know 
what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. He knew that Potiphar trusted him. And so this is a test that he had to pass. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has, has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He had integrity, and he recognizes. And when he was faced with that temptation, it says that Joseph fled. He didn't only just flee. He didn't just walk away. But the last time it says, it says that he ran, and he passed the test, and he was on his way to promotion after that. And even though our culture, and we all know, because you can just go to a movie thinking that it's just a good, innocent-looking movie from the trailer, and you can get there, there's always got to be some kind of scene in that movie that provokes your mind and provokes your thoughts. Almost everything they make, unless you watch perf- uh, what's it called, pure flicks all the time. And so we're constantly in this culture surrounded, I'm going to say sexual immorality. We are constantly surrounded by it. And we are constantly, because we live in a sensual society, tempted by those things. And, and, and maybe even daily tested by some of those things. But let me tell you, a person that is immoral in this area of life will be immoral in a lot of other areas. Because to be immoral in in this part of your life, there's always got to be lies and there's always got to be deceit. And that will carry into every other part of your life. And not only that, but it will affect your family. It will affect your relationships. It will affect so many things, but it will also delay your destiny. It'll delay your destiny. But thank God we we serve a God of mercy and grace and that he allows us to retake every test. If you fail in one of those areas, let me tell you, God will allow you to retake the test. God is not done with you because God doesn't want to destroy you. God wants us to reach our destiny. He wants us to reach his, our full potential in him. And he will allow you to retake it and retake it and retake it and retake it if you have to. Because he wants you to pass the test. The path of obedience is always ultimately the path to promotion. You be obedient to God, and you will see him in so many areas of your life promote you. Joseph falsely accused, falsely accused, falsely put in prison. It was part of the process. It was part of the plan. But remember, he was still being tested. He was building up spiritual muscles because there was a purpose all along, and he discovers that purpose at the end of this when I get to the last test that he has. But then we see... Because of this, because of Potiphar's wife, we see Joseph have to go through something he never expected to go through. And it was the prison test. It says in Genesis 39, it says, So it was when his master heard the words, this was Potiphar, which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner. She's lying and telling all this stuff to her husband uh, that Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But listen to this. In prison, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, It was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. He trusted him because the Lord was with him. He might have been in prison, but people recognized that the Lord was still with him. And whatever he did, the Lord still made it prosper because he was passing the test. So when he passed his now, God allowed him to move on to his next. And so we see him in prison And anyone that, if anyone had a right to be upset, mad, and angry and try to vindicate themselves and say, hey, 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 that's not right. She's lying about this. It doesn't say anything in this story that Joseph ever did that. It doesn't say that he ever tried to vindicate himself. It doesn't say that he ever tried to tell Potiphar that, hey, I'm being falsely accused. It's almost as though he just allowed, he says, oh, I've already been to the pit. I might as well go to the prison again. I might as well go to the prison. 
They might be better than the pit. At least there's food and water in the prison. And so we don't see him trying to fight for himself. And so, but the Lord was on his side. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God always takes care of. When you're done unjustly, God will always prove his justice in your life. And even in your prison, God can raise you up as you wait on him. That's the key. Continue to wait on him. Continue to be faithful to God. If you're going through a spiritual prison in your life, and I have been through one where I have felt like I was in chains, I felt like I was in bondage, I felt like I could not break through. I felt like I, I waited for my breakthrough in this area of my life. And, 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 and it took, it seemed like so long, but I've gone through the prison test before. And let me tell you, when I finally got to the end of it, God is so good because God even spoke to a, prof, a prophetess and she called us up and she says, I have a word from the Lord. And she had no idea what I was going through. And, and she says, I'm in Beaumont right now, but she goes, I'm going to drive through Victoria because I got to talk to your wife in person. She called up my husband says, I've got to talk to your wife in person. And she drove to Victoria and we met her and she shared with me what, what, what God was speaking to her. And let me tell you, I knew then that God sees everything that was going on in my life. Even though I felt like I was in prison and I felt like God didn't care and I felt like God didn't know, God saw everything I was going through. And in the end of our conversation, she said this to me and she looked at me straight in the face. And I don't know if you remember this, babe, but she looked at me and she said, God says you passed the test. And I had just had a breakthrough in an area right before she called. And God was letting me know. I saw it all along. And he says, thank you, my daughter, because you passed the test. It was just a challenge. And now you're ready for the next. And I remember when she said that to me, I thought, God, this was a test? Why did I have to go through all this? I had no idea it was a test. It would have been so much easier before everything happened if I, God would have said, hey, you're about to go through a test. Be prepared. Be aware. It's just me testing you, but it doesn't always work that way. But I'm, I'm hoping that this is going to help you when a trial comes your way. Kind of step back and look at this. Hey, you know, maybe this is God's way of testing me because he wants to build character in me. He wants to prepare me for my destiny. And so then the next test, number six, there's ten. Let me try to get through this. It was the prophetic test over his life. And we all have a prophetic word over our lives. How many of you believe that? Every one of us have a prophetic word over our lives. Something God has spoken to you about. Maybe even God used someone to speak to you about. But there is a word over your life. that, And there is a destiny. There is a purpose over every one of our lives. That's one of the things that most people ask is, what is the purpose in my life? That's, that's the, one of the biggest questions that there is. Let me tell you, every single, he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't look at one person and say, they're more special than that person. That person deserves to have a dream for me. That person doesn't. No, he looks at all of us. He says, we are wonderfully and fearfully made. He knew the moment that we were created in conception that he had a purpose and plan in our lives. He has a dream that he's given every one of us, and he has a destiny for every single one of us. And so we see this prophetic test, and this was, remember, he had the dream about his life. He had a word spoken over his life. And, and uh, Psalms 105, 105 says this, and I, I want you to remember this. If you feel like God has given you a word for your life or a dream, or maybe even God sent someone to give you, know, give you that word. Hold to that word tight. There's going to be, like I said, the test, the process. There's going to be process and preparation before you get to that promise. If God's given you a promise over your life, hold it close to your heart. And don't let the enemy, don't let the enemy take that word out of you. Don't let the test, the test will try to make you delay that promise. And the test will try to make you say, hey, this, that wasn't a word from God. That's probably, that's not from me. But this is one way that you can judge whether it was a word from God or not. Psalms 105 says this, 
Moreover, he called for a famine in the land. He destroyed all the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. I'm in Psalms. They hurt his feet with feathers. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. So if you look up the word, the first word in the Strong's Concordance, that first word, until the time that his word, this is the word that Joseph got. This is the prophetic word that he got over his life. It was the spoken word over him. Until that prophetic spoken word in his life came to pass, the word, the literal word of God, of the Lord, tested him. Y'all get that? And the king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free, and he made the Lord him Lord over his house, da, da, da. Psalms 105, 19, the same exact scripture sums it up, and I love the way it sums it up. Everything that we're talking about right now, this scripture sums it all up. This is the same thing I just read, except it's the New Living Translation. It says it like this. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. That's what it was all about. Say it's only a test. I'm only going through a test. So God tests our faith with the prophetic word, but he tests our character with the word, his word. Did y'all get that? He tests our faith with the prophetic word, the promise that you have. Your faith is tested by that word, but he tests our character by his word. But how do we pass this test in our own lives? We get in the book. We live by the book. We fall in love in the, with the book. When I say the book, I'm talking about the word of God. And you've got to judge the prophecy. You've got to test that prophetic word. It has to line up with the word of God. And, and you've got to know that it's from God. There's a lot of prophets out there that will give you a word. That word has to be tested. You've got to know that it's a word from God. Paul understood the importance of holding on to the prophetic word of God. He even reminded the Thessalonian church of this. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says to the church, do not despise prophecies. He says, test all things, but hold fast to what is good. In other words, remain, hold on to that spoken word, but test it, but remain faithful to God. Till that word comes to pass. Remain faithful to God. And so we see Joseph, and, you know, he's, he's, in, he's in prison. And then we see in the story, we see that there's a baker and a butler that get thrown into prison. Pharaoh, the head of all of the land, throws his head butler and baker, became angry with them into prison. Well, they put Joseph over the baker and the butler. And one night... Both of them had a dream, and the same night they had a dream. And come to find out, Joseph asked them, you know, about what was bothering them. He could tell by their countenance, and, and, and he, they told him his, about their dreams, and he says, well, only the Lord can interpret that. Tell me your dream. And so he told him the dream, and God used him in the prophetic to interpret their dreams. And from interpreting their dreams, that's what got him out of prison into a place of power. He became second in command under Pharaoh, all because of the dreams he had uh, that he uh, interpreted for the baker and butler. But there was also a process between that time because he told the baker, he told the butler, he says, remember me whenever that you get back to Pharaoh's house and remember to make mention of me to Pharaoh. Well, he gets back there and he's serving him for years and he totally forgets about what Joseph had done for him. And one night, Pharaoh had the dream. And Pharaoh had a dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And then he had another dream that was similar in a different way. And he was so disturbed by this dream. And the butler took note of it and says, what's, you know, what's wrong, Pharaoh? And he says, I'm so disturbed by these dreams I'm having. And I just can't understand them. And voila, he remembered, hey, I know a guy that interpreted my dreams. He hears from God. And he said, send for him. And so they send Joseph to to Pharaoh, and he interprets the dream, and he tells Pharaoh, he says, what the dream meant. He says, there's going to be a time in the land where you're going to soon have seven years of plenty, 
It's going to prosper. There's going to be so much fruitfulness in the land. And then there's going to be seven years of famine that are going to come after the seven years of prosperity. And he said, you've got a plan. You've got to put the right man in place. He instructed Pharaoh. Here he is, Joseph, in prison, but the favor of God on him, and God is using him. He's using a man in prison that's not even an Egyptian, and he's using him to instruct the Pharaoh, the head of all of the land, to do what to do. And he says, put a wise man in place. You need someone that's wise and can discern, and someone that will know, that will have the leadership to save and steward the time of prosperity so that there won't be this horrible famine where people will die. And so Pharaoh believes him in the dreams. And he says, well, I be- why not you? And so he appointed Joseph to be second in command. He became governor of all of the land. He was second in command under Pharaoh. So we see him come from the prison and now he's in like the palace again. And in fact, he's even more in the palace than the first palace. He's actually in Pharaoh's palace and he's governor of all the land. And he is now tested with a test called the power test. And in a single day, God can suddenly change everything about your circumstances. You could be going through things for years. Let me tell you, it was 13 years of preparation before he got to this place of power. And the funny thing is, I was thinking, babe, tonight, it was 13 years of preparation for you before you stepped out and even pastored to church. It was 13 years, it was a process of time that you served, that you were faithful, and that you were obedient to the man of God that you, God put under you, and you served the church with all your heart for 13 years, and then God put you in that place of authority. But you have to pass the test of the power test. And so we see him be promoted to this place. And, okay, I've already read all that scripture. I already told the story, <laughs> so I won't do it. But when God put Joseph in this place of power, Joseph knew where his authority came from. He already knew it was not by might, it was not by his own power, it was not by his own strength, but he knew by then that it was by the Spirit of the Lord. And you mentioned that on Sunday. You said, I feel sometimes like a turtle on a post. And I think, how in the world did I get here? Well, we know when you get in a place of position or power or authority, if you will, or you just, you know, you know that God, you give God glory. You give God all the credit because it had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with God. And so Joseph already had this implanted in his heart. He knew that it was nothing that he did. He knew that it was all God and it was all part of God's plan for his life. So he passed it and he didn't let the power bring the pride back in because he had already passed the pride test. So that, was, that spirit was already dealt with, and it didn't come back, and he knew who put him there. Psalm 62, 11 says, tell, tells us where the power comes from. It says, God has spoken once, twice, and I have heard this, that power belongs to God. So if we have power in anything in our life, it comes from God. It's nothing to do with us. So we got to remember when you get in that place of authority or power that you've got to remain humble. And I spoke on that the last time. You've got to remember to stay humble so God can uh, continue to promote you to your next. So no matter how successful a person must be, pride always has a way uh, of making them look unattractive. And I mentioned that earlier. It doesn't matter what, you know, when you meet someone and you see someone that you look up to and you meet them, if they got pride, I'm telling you, totally turned off. It's just so unattractive. And so God has a way of taking people in power and networking them. When you have favor in your life, God has a way of taking people in power, and I've seen this in my life, and networking you with them at the right time. People you didn't even know had such power in their lives. But because of the favor of God in your life, he will use them to help you with the need. And I'm going to share a personal story in my life. I have a brother that's that's in prison. 
and he's been there a long time, and he's going to be there for a a long time. And when my mom got sick with cancer, her one thing that she wanted to do was she wanted to see him again. I want to see him, you know. And when she got really sick, she really wanted to see him. And we thought, how how can we? She's so sick, we can't take her from Indy Anderson to where he's at, even though it wasn't too far. But we couldn't do that. So I called up two prayer warrior friends of mine in this church, two ladies that I knew would pray on my behalf. And I told them, I said, look, this is what's going on. I said, I need, we need a miracle. We need y'all to pray. And I, we need God to somehow, I don't know how this is going to happen, but we need God to make a way for my brother to say goodbye to my mom. That was her wish. I don't know how it's going to happen. Well, they started praying. Within two days, God answered that prayer. And let me tell you, it was a miracle. God used a man in in a position of power and authority that I had no idea had that. He networked, and this is how he did it. I have a cousin, and she came to the hospital, and she saw my mom, and she she left the hospital. And later that night, she called me back because I missed her when she was there. And she called, I was gone and came back, and then she, she called me, and she said, she said, hey, I just, I want to offer something to you. She says, my father, and I went to her wedding. I had no idea who her father-in-law was. I really didn't. But she says, my father-in-law, he's an ex-senator. And she said, he is actually Greg Abbott's sidekick. He is his, the man right under Greg Abbott that does everything for the governor. And he said, she said, I can make a phone call to him and possibly see what we can do. I don't know if it's going to work, but he's got some leverage. He made the phone call. She made the phone call to him. He says, that's family. That's his daughter-in-law. He said, I'll do what I can do. He called the prison. Come to find out, <laughs> the, pris- the prison warden and him went to high school together. Had no idea. God used that connection because there was two women praying along with me that God would make a way when it seemed like there was no way. He didn't physically get to come to the prison, but I'll tell you what he got to do. They took him to a side room where no one could see him, and the warden took his personal cell phone and called my mom and FaceTimed my mom. We were all in the room. I got to video them. They talked 12 minutes. You know the 12-minute thing? They talked 12 minutes. And they got to say, share all their love and all their laughter. They laughed most of the time because that's, that's their relationship. But God will use the favor in your life to network you with people in the place of power. There's no boundaries with God. We serve a limitless God. There's nothing too hard for him. And then number eight, because I know it's getting late, was the prosperity test. Because we see Joseph in this place of prosperity. We see him become governor over all of the land and all of the kingdom. And God puts him in that place. And he stewards it right. And that's a test that we're going to all have to go through in life. When there's a time in your life where you're prospering, it could be financially. A lot of times uh, in this area, speaking of of tangible things. It's financially. What you do in that time and how you steward it is a test. And a lot of times, well, we see in the life of Joseph, what he stewarded, it wasn't for him. It was all about others. He never wanted to be in that place or that position of power because he wanted to be somebody. But it was all because he wanted to help other people. And God used him in that time. And God gave him the leadership skills. And God gave him the stewardship and the wisdom and discernment to be a good steward over that wealth, over all of that, so that he can help other people in the time of the famine. And then the next test that you'll have to go through to reach your destiny is the pardon test. And I'm going to say this is probably the hardest test. Because this is forgiving wrongs that have been done to you. Pardoning someone is putting it in the sea of forgetfulness in your mind. Where you will never ever bring that thing up again. That's when you know you have fully pardoned someone. Because it's completely erased from your mind. And 
he went through this test because we see his brothers having to come to, in the story it says that his brothers in the time of famine, two years into the famine, they came to Egypt. Their father sent them and said, we, we have nothing left to eat. Y'all are going to have to go. Egypt has plenty, and they'll share, and you can buy it from them. And so he sent uh, his sons, and he's thinking all of these years, Jacob is thinking, Joseph's dead because they gave him his coat of many colors and it had uh, the goat's blood on it or, or some kind of ant, wild animal's blood on it. And he believed that he had been eaten by a beast. So all these years, he didn't know that Joseph was still alive. And he sends his sons there. And Joseph, the one being overseer of all of this, sees his, son, his brothers, the ones that did the ultimate betrayal of him the ones that wanted him killed because they were so jealous of him. He had to face them. And, and I, I believe that hurt him more than having to become a slave. I believe that hurt him more than having to go to prison and being in bondage. I believe that hurt him more than being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife because it was so personal. It was his own flesh and blood. And he had to face them as they were asking for food, and he had to tell them who he was. But I believe God dealt with him before his brothers ever got there because he pardoned them. He forgave them. And, and the scripture even says it, that it doesn't say that he forgave them, but he tells them, he says, don't hold this against yourself because it wasn't from you. This was all a part of God's plan. And he was so happy in a way yeah, he was happy because he went and cried. It said that he, when he saw his brothers approaching, he had to step back and, and go. And it says he, he wept. So he was actually happy to see him. But he was betrayed by those he loved, but he chose to forgive. And that's the, that's the hardest thing I think that most people have is that when you've been done wrong by someone, especially if they don't own up to what they've done, it's so hard to want to forgive them. But even though they don't own up to it, you have the choice to forgive them because what forgiveness does is it frees you. It frees you. It may not free them, okay? But it frees you and it feels so good. The Word of God says that we've got to forgive someone. What? How many times? 70 times 7 for the same sin. If someone sinned against you, if his brothers threw him in the pit 489 times after that, after they see, saw him, that 489 times, you've got, they, he would have to forgive his brothers again and again and again. But it frees you. It frees him. We can't try to bring justice to an unjust situation. God has to fight that battle for us. Haley was a went through that. Haley was attacked by a man. He's in prison. Actually, he just got out of prison. But I ran into him in the time between before he went to court and was put in custody or before he went to prison, he was out for 18 months on the streets of Victoria. And this man that tried to take her and do I don't know what to her, but he attacked her and she got away. But I ran into him at a store and it's like he knew who I was because of the way he was acting. He was buying a huge case of beer. And I just stood behind him, and I realized it was him. And everything inside of my mommy's heart wanted vengeance on him because of what he did, because of what she had to go through after that, you know, battling the fear, battling the things that she had to go through because of that one thing that he did to her. And in my mommy's heart, I wanted to take vengeance on him in that moment. And I thought, what can I do? There's, not, there's cameras around here. I, gotta, <laughs> I mean, I got it inside of me when it comes to my kids, let me tell you. But I just stood back. He walked out. I went to my car, and I just prayed. And I said, Lord, vengeance belongs to you. There was nothing that I could do for the injustice. But let me tell you, God took care of it. And she never had to face him again. And God did put him in, in prison. But there's, there's just some things that we have to, to uh, forgive. And we have to let God 
take care of the rest of that. God has to be the one. Vengeance doesn't belong to us. That part belongs to God. It never says that Joseph's brothers repented. It never says that when they came before him that they said, Oh, brother, please forgive us for what we did. We did what we wronged you. We should never. They never said that. Instead, his brothers, uh, what they said is, Oh, we see that you now are in a place of authority and we, want, we are here to be servants to you. But it never says that they actually repented. But yet, Joseph still forgave them and pardoned them for the sin that they committed against him. He passed the pardon test. So he had just built up some huge spiritual muscles. And he was already in the place where he was in his purpose and he was in his destiny. And that's the tenth one. The tenth one is the purpose test. And this is when Joseph realized that his promotion was connected to his promise, and this was his destiny all along, that everything that God tested him with was a preparation to get him to the place right where he was at, and it brought deliverance and salvation even to his own brothers that committed that sin against him. And Joseph says this, as for me, you meant evil against me, he told his brothers, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You see, he realized the purpose all along was never about him. It was all about others. And in our walk with God and in the destiny of God for our lives, when you're living in the kingdom of God, the purpose is never all about you. It's not all about your calling. It's not, it's always, God has it always be about others. It's always about how can I help this person? What can I do? It's always going to be something that's going to help or change someone else's life for the good. That was his purpose. And in Genesis 45, it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. This is when he reveals himself. He's, he lets them know who he is. See, they didn't know. Who, when, when they saw him, they had no idea who he was. And he hid that for a while from them. And then finally he reveals it. He says, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? He was so concerned about his father. He says, but his brothers could not answer him because they were so dismayed in his presence. They couldn't believe that he was in this place of authority. And you know what? That word, that dream came to pass. His brothers bowed down before him just as the dream, just as the, the word that came to him from the Lord in his youth. And this was years later that this happened after many years of tests. And it says, then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, with whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not, therefore, he's telling them, don't be grieved or don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here. He says this, for God sent me before you to preserve life. So he's saying, all that's happened to me, it wasn't, it wasn't your fault. This was part of God's plan. This was all part of God's plan for my life from the beginning. God did this. And then it says, for these two years, the famine has been in the land. There are still five years, he's warning them, but still five years, which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And here he goes again. He actually says it three times, but he says, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord over all of his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. But it was only through the hard lessons learned in those years of testing that God was able to equip Joseph. It was only through those same lessons that Joseph was found faithful. He was found faithful to walk out his destiny and to fulfill the dream that God had for him to the fullest. He passed the purpose test. He realized that it was never God that did uh, that, that his brothers did to him, but he realized that that was all a plan of God. Everything that we go through in life, God says he, he will, God will turn every bad situation around for our good. If we love the Lord, he says, with all of our hearts, he will turn every bad thing that we've had to go through in our lives. Somehow he'll take that and he'll turn it around for our good. And he uses those things. He uses.
uses our trials to help others. He uses our testing so we can relate and empathize with others when they're going through those things. So we can say, hey, I made it through it. I went through the same. I went through that. I went through a divorce. I went through a betrayal. I went through a hard time. I I lost my house. I was homeless one time on the streets. But let me tell you, God will see you through. You can use, God will use the the hard trials of your life, the tests of your life to use you to encourage someone that's going through the same thing. It's never in vain. No trial will be in vain when you live for the Lord. And so we see Joseph encountering tests all along the way from his promise to his promotion, that place of power, that place of his true promise. And it wasn't an overnight thing. It was years and years of preparation. And sometimes we'll see that in our own lives, years and years of preparation. And let me tell you, we went through years of preparation. Then we started pastoring. And then I'm going to tell you again, we went through another 10 years of preparation. It's like God was preparing us 13 years. God's been preparing us the past 10 years to get us to our next. And I feel like right now God has us in a place where he says, okay, you passed this test. You passed this. I looked at all of these. We passed that test. We passed that test. It was a 10-year process of pastoring that God finally says, okay, now they're ready. Their character wasn't matching their calling. Am I tattling on myself? Can I be real? Your character has to be ready to match your calling so that when you get to the destiny that God's called for you, you won't be destroyed. But you will continue to be promoted. You'll continue to prosper in God because you've already gone through it all. You check it off. I passed that test. And you go through it again. You said, you know what? I made it through it before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I like that story. When King Darius threw them in the fiery furnace, there was fire surrounding them. They should have been swallowed up in ashes. They should have been consumed, right? But Darius looks in, King Darius looks in, and he says, I see one, I see someone else likened unto the Son of Man walking in the fire with them. They were in the midst of a fiery furnace and the Lord Jesus, that was Jesus, was right there with them. If you ever have to go through a fire, if you ever have to go through a trial that is bigger than yourself, let me tell you, the Lord will be with you. The Lord, will. you might not feel him. You've got to know that he will see you through. You've got to know that he is holding your hand and he is walking through that fire with you. And you will not be burned. You will not be consumed when the Lord is with you. Three things real quick. You've got to believe about your purpose. You've got to believe, first of all, that you have a purpose. Everything God creates is with a purpose. The second thing is you've got to understand that God is in complete control. You have to surrender that control to him. And number three, you've got to discover your gift and your direction. God gives every person a gift, and God wants to use that to get you to your destiny. And you've got to just ask him and seek him for direction. Joseph, we see him having a gift of leadership. We see that because we see him being promoted in every place that he was, always in a leadership position. But in order to be a good leader, you've got to first be a good servant. And we see that in his life. In the prison, he was a good servant. He was a servant everywhere he went. But then God promoted, promoted, promoted. But he used the gift that he had, and his was of leadership. All of us will have different gifts, but God will use the gift that you have to get you to your next. But how we respond to our test that we have in our life can make all the difference in the world. It can either delay the process or it can catapult us to the promise. It can catapult us to that promotion, to our destiny. It all depends on how you you respond to the test. And you've just got to remember that the only one that can derail you from your purpose is you. So when you're going through the trial, when you're going through the test, you've got to remember this is only a test. Can everyone say that? This is only a test. This is only a test. You're going to pass the test.
God says he will work everything for our good. And I want to close with this one statement because it's so important to God that our character matches our calling so we can get to that place where he desires us to be. But I'm going to close with this one thing. And if y'all can remember this, it says, let God prepare you in the process as he promotes you to your promise. That's what he's doing. He's just preparing us. He's building character. He's building spiritual muscles so he can do what he needs to do with you and so that you'll be ready. You'll be ready and you won't fall when you get to that place. Amen? Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.